Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Oh, my God. 
We're going to be starting in Genesis chapter 25. Genesis 25. For the record, today's date in the Roman, the Roman Catholic calendar that everybody uses around the world other than the Muslims and the Jews. Uh, I don't know if the Hindus have their own calendar or not, but I know the majority of the world go by the Roman Catholic calendar, which is January the 7th, January the 7th, 2017 A.D., in the year of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In God's calendar, it is the ninth day of the tenth month. Ninth day of the tenth month. We need to remember that this is not the Jewish calendar. A lot of people have been taught that this is a Jewish Sabbath, that these are Jewish holidays and Jewish calendar. And that is a lie. Amen. This is God's calendar. The Bible never calls it the Jewish calendar. God's calendar. The ninth day of the tenth month. God created the sun and the moon and the stars. The Jews did not create the sun, the moon, and the stars. Amen. Now, if we're talking about a Timex watch, or a watch of a different brand, or a clock of a different brand, that would be a watch or a clock of Timex brand, or whatever brand. But the Jews cannot claim the sun, the moon, and the stars, which is our calendar. God created our calendar. It is God's calendar. Now, today's topic is the competition for love, father versus hireling, or father versus Satan, competition for attention, competition for love and attention, the father versus the hireling or Father versus Satan. In Genesis 25, starting in verse 18, Genesis 25, verse 18, talking about Ishmael. Ishmael, the father of the Arabs, Verse 18, they settled from Havilah to Shur, which is east of Egypt as one goes toward Assyria. And he settled, Ishmael settled, in defiance of all his relatives. That means in opposition to all his relatives. He, Ishmael, was a rival of his brother. And just like today, the same has been true throughout all of human history, going all the way back to uh, Cain and Abel. We could even start as far back as Cain and Abel about competition between brothers, 
competition within family, sibling rivalry that Cain was offended and hurt because God liked better the sacrifice and offering of Abel. So Cain felt that he was in competition against his brother. And God did win the love and admiration of Abel more so than Cain. And Cain, I mean Abel, and Abel did win the competition for more honor for his offer. In this case here, Ishmael was in competition, a rival, in defiance of his relatives about where he would live. Then in verse 19, now these are the records of the generations of Isaac, the brother of Ishmael. Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac. Now Abraham also was the father of Ishmael. But Isaac was the chosen one. The chosen one. Just like Jacob, son of Isaac, or the son of Israel, was the, or Jacob was Israel. Jacob became Israel. But in each generation, in each of the generations, there was competition between brothers. In verse 20, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethia, the Assyrian of Tahar, the land of Syria, the sister of Laban, the Assyrian, to be his wife. So we see that Abraham was from Syria and married the Syrian woman, then Isaac also married a Syrian woman, then Jacob also married a Syrian woman. And verse 21, Isaac prayed to G on behalf of his wife. Now, actually, this is Genesis, so it it didn't actually say G here. Uh, In the Greek Statutian, it would say prayed to uh, the Lord. The word G, the name G, was not yet revealed until Exodus. Because the Bible says that he was not yet known by the name of G until Moses. So, it has the word the Lord in all capitals here, which is a lie. Because they're trying to say that YHWH 
was written here originally, which is impossible. Because if you believe that his name is Yahweh or YHWH or Jehovah, it says that his name was not known until Moses. So if his name, whether it's G, Jehovah, Yahweh, or YHWH, in either case, regardless of what his name is, it was not known until Moses. That's very, very clear in Scripture. Therefore, to put the word the Lord in all capitals in this verse, in Genesis, before his name was known, is a lie, a straight-out lie, not a mistake, not an accident, but an on-purpose lie. So it should not be in capitals there. So instead of saying G in that verse, we should say Theos, God. So he prayed to Theos, or God, on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And Theos answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now the children, Jacob and Esau, struggled together within her. Now, the Greek word, well, I don't know about the Greek. I only looked at the Assyrian word uh, because I looked at Strong's Corinth. So Strong's Corinth points only to the Assyrian words in the Old Testament. So in the Assyrian word that Strong's Corinth points to for struggled, it means to crush, to crush, to break, and to bruise. These babies in the belly of their mother was literally fist fighting, literally, within her body. Amazing. Sibling rivalry. Sibling rivalry means brothers and sisters, brother and brother, sister, sister, whatever the case may be, in competition with one another. Buzzing fighting, arguing, competing for attention, so forth. That is what we call sibling rivalry. Brothers and sisters competing, arguing, fighting, so forth. And that's what was happening, but it was a real wrestling match. It was more than just words. Wrestling match, I believe King James might say wrestling, within her, and she said, if it is so, why then am I this way? So she went to inquire of Theos, and Theos said to her, two nations are in you. Two nations are in your womb. And two peoples, two nations, two races, will be separated from your body." And one people should be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Even though they were older and younger only by seconds. Because they were twins. So we know that Jacob became the nation of Israel. His children, his descendants, his grandchildren, 
all the way down to us today. If you are an American, if you are a white American, if you are a white Australian or a a white person in South Africa or a white person in uh, the UK, then you are most likely a descendant of Jacob. But the other twin brother is Esau. And Esau is the father of the Middle Eastern Arabs. As well as Ishmael before him. And so we see the beginning, even really probably even all the way back to Cain, but especially with Ishmael and then Isaac. And I mean, Ishmael and then Esau. The beginning of war between the nation of Israel and the Arabs. And you can also look at it in this way because it's just as true. The beginning of the war between God's people and the followers of Jesus Christ against versus the devil's people, the antichrist, the people, the people that the devil uses. Now, we do not hate Arabs. We do not hate uh, the descendants of Esau and Ishmael and Cain. We do not hate Muslims or Arabs. But the truth remains that we are at war with them. They know that. So we should ought to know it as well. Obama, Hillary Clinton, and a lot of other people try to say that we are not at war with Islam and that we are not at war with Muslims. But that is a lie straight out. We have always been at war with Muslims. It doesn't mean that we hate our enemies. We don't hate our enemies. Jesus said to love our enemies. But to love our enemies does not mean to compromise with them. To love our enemies means to pray that they will get saved. To love our enemies means that if they are hungry or thirsty or naked, we know it, we know it, and we are able to provide food, water, nourishment, safety, shelter for them, that we should do so if they come to us and seek it. That's what it means to bless your enemy and to love your enemy. But that does not remove the fact that Islam and the Muslims and the Arabs are at war against us and us against them. We cannot remove that fact. It is a fact of history. It is a fact of the bloodline. It's in our blood. 
our soul, and our spirit. It's in our DNA. Even before they were born, these boys were wrestling within the womb. It is in our DNA. So these people that wish that we could have world peace, that we could just get along and coexist with one another and have heaven on earth now, they are ignorant of the fact that peace on earth and heaven on earth now and coexistence now is totally impossible. Totally impossible. It doesn't matter what we do or what we try to do, we're still going to be at war with those people. As much as we love those people, as much as we pray for those people, as much as we fast for those people, as much as we witness to those people, we will still be at war with those people. Just because we're at war with those people does not mean that we hate them. It does not mean that. But what it means is it is engraven in our DNA and in our soul because it is ordained to be this way. God ordained these boys to wrestle, ordained them to be at war with one another. It is supposed to be this way. There's nothing we can do to change it. Absolutely nothing. So we have to accept the reality. We have to accept the reality that we cannot be at peace and coexist with Islam that is trying to literally crush and bruise and kill and destroy us and our family and our way of life. They are at war against us. It is in their blood, in their heart, in their soul, in their brain. They cannot help it. It is meant to be this way. So here in Genesis 25, verse 24, Genesis 25, verse 24, in her, Rebecca's days to be delivered were fulfilled when it came time for the babies to be born. Behold, there were twins in her womb. Genesis 25. And now in verse 25, Genesis 25, 25, New American Standard. Now the first came forth red, all over like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. Esau, even as a baby, was hairy. A hairy baby, not just on the head, but even his forearms and his hands. He was a hairy man, even as a baby. Had red skin, but his brother did not have as red of skin. Verse 26, but when we think of red, it was more like the Arabs of today. Not like red, red, but tan, dark complexion. Verse 26, afterward his brother came forth 
Jacob, the father of Israel, the father of America, came forth with his hand holding on Esau's feet, his heel. So his name was called Jacob, which means one who takes by the heel or supplants. So his name is called Jacob. And, he, uh, and Isaac was 60 years old when she, Rebekah, gave birth to them. When the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Now, Isaac loved Esau, the red hair, the, uh, the red-skinned, hairy man, his son Esau, because he had a taste for game, had a taste for uh, the food of the field. So he had favors upon Esau. He liked Esau more. He won the competition for love and attention between the two brothers. His father Esau loved uh, his father Isaac loved Esau more because Esau was able to uh, hunt animals and provide food for the dinner table that Isaac loved, that meat that Esau would kill for him. But Rebekah loved more Jacob. Each one had their favorite child. Verse 29, when Jacob had cooked Esau came in from the field and he was famished hungry and Esau said to his brother Jacob please let me have a swallow of that red stuff that stew there for I am famished hungry therefore his name was called Edom meaning red but Jacob said first Tell me your birthright. What is a birthright? A birthright is a promise that you, if you have that birthright, you have the promise, the guarantee of inheritance because that Esau was born first, a few seconds before Jacob. But Jacob was in competition against Esau. They were both in competition against one another. Even before they were born and all of their lives, they were in competition for one another. They were in competition for the parents' love and everything else and for their birthrights, for their guarantees and promises of blessings and what would happen to their descendants. And it remains this way today. A competition between Israel and the Arab people, and the Muslim people, the followers of Jesus Christ, and the Muslims. We are in competition to this day. And so, Jacob, the father of Israel, said, sell me your birthright, sell me your guarantee, your promise of blessings and inheritance for your descendants. Verse 32, Esau said, Behold, I'm about to die of hunger. So, of what use, then, is my birthright to me? Esau was very carnally minded. 
He could not see beyond his physical carnal need right then and there. I've got to have it now. That's the way people are today in Western society, the microwave society, the Wi-Fi society, the high-speed Internet society. We have to have it right now. And that is the carnal mind frame of homosexuality, of witchcraft, and of the people that want to have coexistence and peace in heaven on earth right now before Jesus comes. Microwave society right now. They can't see the future before their eyes, the only what is directly before their eyes. And so Esau said, what uses my birthright to me? Because he wasn't thinking about the finish line. He wasn't thinking about the coming of the Lord and eternal salvation, but only right here, right now. Verse 33, and Jacob said, first, swear to me, promise to me, guarantee to me. He says, let's make a deal. Let's compromise. You've got these promises. You've got these guarantees. I want them. Let's make a deal. Let's make a compromise. First, swear to me. So he swore to him and sowed his birthright to Jacob for food in exchange for food. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and the, and the lentil stew, and he, Esau ate and drank and rose and went on his way. And thus Esau despised his birthright, gave it away, sold it for nothing but food. In the great tribulation coming up soon, there's going to be a lot of people that will do the exact same thing. That for a little food, for right then, right there, that I'm going to starve to death, that they will sell their promises, their guarantees, their birthright to the kingdom. It's going to happen. People here in the United States and across the world are going to sell their birthright, even if they were born again, saved, baptized, and received the Holy Ghost of Jesus Christ within them, that when they are starved to death in the Great Tribulation, they will give it away, sell it, and despise their birthright and their promises of salvation, and give it away for food. History repeats itself. It's going to happen again. We must remember that we are in competition against the enemy. It is a war for our soul. We must look beyond the present time and keep our eye on the finishing line and not compromise and not give up our birthright, our salvation, our eternal soul for food or even for life. We must be willing to even lay down our own lives, if so need be, in order to get the kingdom, in order to hold on to that birthright, in order to hold on to eternal life and the kingdom of God 
we better not ever compromise with our enemy. We better never, ever, ever compromise with Islam, with the Islamic laws, with Sharia law, the halal mark, if it is marked on the product, or with false religion, or with the devil's ways and the carnal ways. There are billions, literally billions, of things competing for our soul. God versus Satan. Satan versus God. Good versus evil. Islam versus Christianity. The truth versus the lies and deceptions of the devil. False religion versus the truth. The truth. False religion versus the truth. False holidays versus the true holidays. True scripture versus false scripture. The list goes on and on and on. Competition for our soul. Life versus death. Good versus evil. Television and magazines, radio, video games, commercials, competing for our attention. And the truth is, and we need to come to the realization of this fact, that TV and video games and the things of the world are competing for your attention, your time, your energy, and your love against God. Television is in competition against God. Television is in competition against righteousness and holiness. Cosmetics is in competition against your natural beauty, your natural look. The schools, the American school system is in competition against God, against the truth. Evolution versus creation. Homosexuality versus normal sexuality. Competition for your soul for your love, for your attention. Sports versus God. That's a very real competition. Sports is competing very hard and winning the competition for the attention and love and admiration of the majority of most Western American men. Sports and competition against God. Hollywood versus God. Love versus hate. True love versus hate. And even the different churches of the world, different religions, different denominations competing against one another. Buddhism, 
Hinduism, Islam, the Catholic Church, Protestantism, all competing with one another and competing against the truth. Different churches within the same town running ads in the newspaper, cutting signs on the bulletin boards. The truth is that all the churches are in competition against one another, whether they want to admit it or not. They want you to come to their church and not the other churches. I've seen signs here in the local region saying, we are the most exciting church in town. Big old sign on the bulletin board. Competition between churches and between religions. Let's continue to read a little bit more about Jacob and Esau and their competition and how it relates to us personally in our day, in our time, in our families. In Genesis 27, starting in verse 1. Genesis 27, verse 1. Now it came about when Isaac was old and his eyes were too dim to see that he called his older son Esau, the father of the Arabs, and said to him, My son, remember Esau was his favorite son who was always in competition with Jacob. And he said to him, Esau said to his father Isaac, Here I am. And Isaac said, here in Genesis 27, verse 2, Behold, now I am old, and I do not know the day of my death, but it was near. And now then, please take your gear, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, hunt an animal for me, and prepare a savory dish for me, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, so that my soul may bless you before I die. So Esau took back after his, his dad, Isaac, that they both were lovers of meat very intensely. And we know that that's true with most men today. And I'm guilty of that as well. I love meat. I am a meat and potato man. Well, Isaac and his son Esau loved to eat meat. In verse 5, Rebekah, who, as the scripture said in chapter 25, that she loved more Jacob between the two brothers. And Rebekah was listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game and prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, before my son, therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Now, this is going to be a competition between Isaac and his wife, not just the brothers but even between the parents. 
Go now to the flock and bring me two choice young goats from there that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father, just as he loves. Then you should bring it to your father that he may eat so that, you may, so that he may bless you before his death. And Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father would feel me that I will be as a deceiver in his sight, and I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But his, his mother said to him, Your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go. Get them from me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made a savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put forth, and she put the skins of the young goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. She also gave the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. Then he came to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Because, remember, he was going blind. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please sit and eat of my game that you may bless me. So here, Jacob, at the coaching of his mom, is going to attempt to get all of the blessing and the promises and the guarantees. Not only the birthright, but also the blessing. At the coaching of his mom, Jacob didn't want just the birthright alone, but also the additional blessing. He didn't want just half of it or a little bit of it. He wanted all of it. Now, this was ordained to be. God wanted it to happen. God put this in Rebecca. It wasn't just Rebecca's doing. God put that in Rebecca's mind and heart for her to do that. And God put it in the heart of Jacob to do this as well. It was all planned and all ordained because this is the way it must be for the finish line. So that when we get to the new heaven and new earth, that everything that has ever worked out and happened and occurred, that God was in control to bring about everything the way it needed to be, to test us and to try us, and that our adversaries will result. Our, our, all of our conflicts and everything that happened in our life, our trials and tribulations, will come to the benefit of us having developed character and strength. Amen? Because we know that our trials are much more precious than gold, the book of Peter says. All of our trials, all of our tribulations, all of our competition, all of our war and everything that happens is for our good. God knows what he is doing, and we must trust him. So even though it looks like it was wrong, even though it looks like it was deception, God had a plan, and it was supposed to be this way. But we can learn lessons from it, because we should be 
like Jacob in a lot of ways, that we should want all of the birthright and the blessings and not just half of it. And verse 20, Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord your God caused it to happen to me. He didn't realize how true that was. He thought he was lying. He thought he was deceiving. But it was an absolute fact what he said. He spoke the truth, even though he didn't realize it. A lot of times God would put words in our mouths that is God speaking, and we don't even realize it until later. And then it was like, oh, yeah, that was God speaking through me. Amen. And that is what happened here. And in verse 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come close that I may feel you, my son, whether it is really you, because he knew that Esau was hairy, more hairy than the average guy. So let me feel you. I'm blind. Let me feel you as a blind person would. Amen. As a blind person does, feel. And so he said, come here that I may feel you whether you are truly my son Esau or not. Verse 22, so Jacob came close to Isaac, his father. You could probably feel him trembling. He felt him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob. But the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's hands. Esau's hands, so he blessed him. He was, they were hairy because, remember, his mom had back up on the goat skin over his hands. They probably tied on the goat skin with the goat hair over his hands. And so in verse 24, he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. So he said, bring it to me, and I will eat my son's game, that I may bless you. And he brought it to him, and he ate, and he also brought him wine, and he drank. Now, just like earlier, Esau wanted the food right then and there and did not use enough discernment and wisdom. Amen. And Isaac, even though Isaac was a man of God, he still did not exercise enough discernment and wisdom because he knew, in a way, he he, he questioned it. Repeatedly, he, he questioned it. And you got the voice of Jacob. Is this really you? He doubted. He had that doubt. Now, if he had stayed with prayer and discernment and wisdom, he would have known the truth. He would have. But he wanted the food right then. He wanted that food. He knew that food was there. It was ready. It was announced that the food was ready. But he was eager to just eat. But God was in control. Amen. In verse 26, then his father Isaac said to him, 
please come close and kiss me, my son. So he came close and kissed him. And when he smelled the smell of his garments, he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Now may God give you of the dew of heaven. He's given a blessing to Jacob. May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth. Now, Isaac was compromising because he had doubts, but he did compromise his discernment. Even as Adam, for the food of the apple and the lust of the eye, even as Eve compromised, Eve knew the commandment of God. You can eat of all the trees of the field, all of them. You can eat of everything you want, but not this one tree. And Eve, knowing this, and being coached by the adversary, being coached by the enemy in competition against God and God's commandments and God's word, by the lust of the eye, that she wanted it, this one, the forbidden fruit. She compromised. And the devil won the competition against the commandments of God. To this very day, there's a competition between the commandments of God and the wants and desires and fleshly things of the world. And even all the false churches and all the false religions are waging war against the commandments of God, where the scripture says you must keep the seventh day. Very specific, very, very, very specific and detailed. But the voice of the enemy saying, compromise. You do not have to listen to God. You do not have to believe God. You do not have to obey God. God doesn't mean what he said. That's erased. I don't see nowhere in the Bible where it says the seventh day is erased or that the Ten Commandments is erased. Competition. Good versus evil. Obedience versus disobedience. Belief versus disbelief. God's word versus the devil's word, and the lust of the eye versus wisdom and discernment. And so, verse 28, may God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and abundance of grain and new wine, and may peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. This is why America is great. It is not because of our military strength. It is not because of our decisions, our policies, our government, our capitalism, our elections, or that president one, or that president one, or that policy one, or that, that political party one, or anything. This is why America did at one time become great and was previously 
great and why America did patrol the gates and the dams and the seaports of the world and why the United States not only alone but the British Empire until Queen Elizabeth destroyed the British Empire. Queen Elizabeth will have to face the fact at the judgment seat of God that she sold the birthright of England. Queen Elizabeth should not be honored or respected. She is a traitor of the British Empire. For under her watch, many, many nations have fallen away from the British Empire and sowed the birthright. This is why America and Great Britain used to be great. It's the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that was passed down to Joseph and Manasseh and Ephraim, our forefathers. But no, Queen Elizabeth and Obama and Hillary Clinton and others have sold our birthright to Iran, to Jordan. They sold the Temple Mount to Jordan. They handed it over. And now, the Baptist Church, the Pentecostal Church, and that ism, and that ism, and that church, and that religion, and that sect, and that denomination is selling all of the birthright. There's a competition for your soul. Truth versus the lies. True, trueness to God, obedience to God, and the love toward God, the first commandment. First commandment. First, 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 first commandment. That shall have no other gods before me. But they want to sell you Islam, Buddhism, atheism, Baptism, ism of the Baptist Church, and Lutherism, Presbyterianism, Kalalaism, all the other isms are all in competition against God and against your birthright of salvation and the kingdom of God. We are in a war. And people just want to compromise, coexist, get along. I'll sit down and eat with you and let you feed me now. We'll shake hands, we'll kiss, we'll hug, and we'll sign an agreement, we'll sign a pact. But the enemy will always break it, every time, every time. Do not trust your enemy. Love them, bless them, pray for them, seek their salvation, but do not trust your enemy. Now it says here, you know the rest of this, but now let's go Matthew 10. And while you're turning to Matthew 10, I'm going to show you a personal testimony of my own of competition for my dad's love. Because we are in competition for love and attention that the devil wants you 
to get your love and attention off from God and onto Him, onto His false religion, His lies, His false doctrines, His sports, and all everything that He uses. Video games, sports, TV, everything that the devil uses to get your attention and your love off from God, the Father. So years ago, my dad was in a hospital for a long time, and he had a girlfriend that would buy him things. And in a way, I know that she meant well, that she was just simply buying him the things that she knew that he would like, that would make him feel good, that would make him happy. Good intentions. But the fact is that my dad is the type of person, and I will try to honor him as much as I can in this testimony, but for the purpose of edification for the church of God, I will share this much, that my dad is the type of man that will give his love and his attention to those that buy it. And it is the way, that's the way it occurred. Regardless of what her intention was, the result was that she gained his attention through buying his love. That was the result, regardless of her intention. And I could not compete with that. I did not have the money and the resources and the ability. And I didn't, uh, just did not and could not compete. And somebody eventually told me, another family member told me that you're not in a competition for his love. And that's what they sincerely thought and believed. But the truth is, they were wrong. And the truth is, I was in a competition. I found myself in that competition for his love. Even though that's not what I wanted, that's not what I tried to do, that's not what she tried to do. But it is what actually did occur. And I was in competition for my dad's love. And she did win that competition through money and carnal things and physical things. Eventually, I had to walk away because there was a lot of things going on, a lot of things that I won't go into. And God told me after I walked away that I had his approval, that I did not have to stay and put up with everything that I was putting up with from everybody, that I did not have to do that, that it was fully acceptable for me to walk away from all of it. 
that was very, very, very clear. It couldn't be more clear or more powerful. It was extremely powerful, out loud words from God. And so we must face the fact that with many of us, we are in competition for the love and admiration and attention within our own family on God's behalf. If you're trying to witness the truth to somebody in your family or to a friend or neighbor or coworker, you may not realize that you're in competition, but the truth is you are. Whether you're trying to make it that way, whether somebody else is trying to make it that way or not, the truth is that there are players behind the scenes. The devil speaking into somebody's ear, coaching them, and God speaking into your ear, our ears, my ears, speaking to us. Good versus evil, lies versus deceptions, truth versus false religion. So the truth is, as we try to witness the truth to people, the truth about the seventh day, Christmas, Easter, all kinds of different topics and doctrines, as we try to witness the truth to people, the devil is in direct competition against us, against our words, against God's words, against true doctrine, against obedience to God. The devil is in competition against us during our witnessing. And a lot of that competition will be within our own family. In Matthew 10, starting in verse 34. See, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. In my dad's situation and in your situation, and in the great tribulation with food, the things, even with the fruit of the forbidden tree, things may look carnally. Things may look like it's just a matter of the flesh. Things may look like it's just a matter of money or clothing or gifts or this or that. But the truth is we are wrestling against spiritual principalities. We are wrestling. Even as Jacob and Esau wrestled within the womb, we are wrestling. And it's a real war, and people are getting crushed and bruised physically. This is a real war. We need to understand that. And this real war is, is raging within our own families. Matthew 10, verse 34, Jesus said, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword, not meaning that we should physically fight, but rather a spiritual fight with words, the sword of God, the word of God. We're in a fight. We're in a war. Now, Jesus did not came that we would get along with other religions. He did not do that. But people will tell you, naive, ignorant people, they mean well, their intent is well, but the fact is, they don't know the Bible. And they will tell you 
I know the Bible. I read the Bible every day. I pray every day. I go to church. I'm saved. So on, so on, so on. But the truth is, they do not know the Bible because they would tell you that Jesus came to earth to bring peace, that Jesus would want us to get along with Islam, with this person and that person, with everybody and everything and every religion and every ism and every lie and every deception, that we should just get along, be at peace, and love everybody and not argue and not offend and not speak out against homosexuality, not speak out against Muslims and not speak out against this and not speak out against that. Just keep your mouth shut. It's what the devil wants you to do. But Jesus himself said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword, spiritual word of God, to cause division and fights. God was the voice in Rebecca's ear, and he had come for a fight. Amen. Verse 35, for I came to set a man against his dad. Did you know that Jesus came to cause war between you and your dad. That's what this Bible says. It's what it says. Does it say that or does it not say that? As much as people will tell you, love your parents, honor your parents, and that is in the Bible. It is. But we have to get past this one-verse theology and start getting real with Entire Bible theology. Amen. The truth is, the closer and closer and closer that we draw closer to our Heavenly Father, our first dad, the dad that actually did create us before we even entered the womb, the father that knew us millions of years ago. See, my my dad that was in the hospital that I told you about he only started knowing me in 1968 when I was born. But my dad in heaven, my father, Jesus Christ, he knew me billions of years before that. Knew my name, what I would look like, how I would act, my choices, my decisions, what my heart would be like, everything. My father in heaven came first before my dad was even born. My Father in heaven must come first, the first commandment, even before my own dad, even before my own mom, even before my own brother. We can see with our eyes, our mom, our dad, our brothers, our sisters, money, cars, sports, that all of that is in competition against the true dad, the first dad, the first father, the first parent in heaven that came first. We have to stop compromising. Amen. We've got to stop putting people first. We've got to start putting our Father first. Then people. Then us. Jesus first in the kingdom. Then people. Then us. Remember that recipe of joy. J-O-Y. The letter J for Jesus first. The letter O for other people second. And then you last. You come last. Joy. That's the recipe 
for eternal joy. That people are compromised. God gave me the word compromising and that we are in competition. Now, he didn't give me the word compromising. He gave me the word competing, that we are in competition last night when I was seeking about what the sermon would be. God gave me the word competing and compromising, and he said to me that you are in competition. You are competing against lies and deceptions. Now, my wife Brittany did not know that. I did not tell her that. She did not know what the sermon would be about today. And in fact, I had, I had actually even decided to go with a different topic. Had it all written out, ready to go. But then God woke me up earlier, an hour before my alarm was to go off today so that I could get up and work on the real sermon rather than what I had written out last night because I didn't go with the competition thing. I went with something else. But while I was still in bed, awake, my wife got up, and she sent me a text message about competition. Amen. And I'm like, okay, that is the sermon for the day. I've got to get up and write this up. Competing voices, our own voices and uh, voices of the flesh and our own imagination and our own words and our own desires and our, our own things, competing against what God wants us to say and what God seeks. We've got to be willing to hear the voice of the Lord and follow His voice. And so, the word that my wife gave that she got on her daily devotional today is that the word compromise. I'd like for you to write down the word compromise. That word compromise comes from, it means, promise to come together. Compromise. Promise to come together. It's a culmination of two words, promise, compromise. The last part of that word is promise. When we think of promise, we need to think of our birthright, our guarantee, our promise for eternal salvation, our promise that God gave us a promise to give us the Holy Ghost and to let us enter into the fullness of the kingdom. That is our promise. That is our birthright. That is guaranteed to us if we will not give it up, if we will not sell it, if we will not compromise. But the word C-O-M in front of it means to come together to give it up, the promise. To come together, to coexist, to come together in agreement instead of arguing, instead of fighting, instead of being at war. To give up your birthright so that we can come together and coexist and just get along, just shake hands, and and then... Cross your finger behind your back and break the agreement later. This is what 
compromise is about. God does not want us to compromise with Islam, with homosexuality, with false religion, with the Baptist Church, with the Pentecostal Church, with the Catholic Church, with Buddhism, with atheism. God does not want us to compromise with any lie or anything that's in competition against him. God does not want us to compromise with movies that have the Pegasus white horse with wings on it at the beginning of the movie. If we see that and and we're watching a DVD or something on TV and that white horse demon, false god called Pegasus, the white horse with wings on it at the beginning of the movie or of that statue of the woman, kind of look like the Statue of Liberty, but it's a real woman kind of, but the torch, if that's at the beginning of the movie, and we say, oh, I, I know it's a goddess. I know it's a false god. I know that it's, it's not right and that's true, but I, I want to watch this movie anyway. We've got to stop doing that. No compromise with the enemy. No compromise at all with the enemy. Now, I'm not over-legalistic. I do watch DVDs. I do watch movies. I do, like a typical man, I do like watching movies. But if it is, if it's got a demon at the start of the movie, no compromise. If it's got the GD word in it, no compromise. If it's got promotion of homosexuality or atheism or lies and deceptions or false doctrines or the pre-trib rapture, no compromise. The pre-trib rapture movies may be exciting, they may be fun, they may be interesting, but they have a purpose and a goal for brainwashing and uh, programming your doctrine, your belief, your mind frame. And you can say all you want to. Yeah, but I, I know it's not real and, and I'm not going to believe it. No compromise. Listening to false doctrine is never acceptable. And people want to say, well, I'll still go to my Baptist church today because I know they love God. But yet, you're going to sit there knowing that these people worship the devil. I mean, I mean that's just a clear fact. They're preaching against the seventh day. They're preaching against Passover, against the Feast of Tabernacles, against the Ten Commandments, against doing anything for God. They're telling you a lie that Jesus is coming back in a pre-trib rapture. And the whole purpose of the pre-trib rapture doctrine is this. To deceive you, to lie to you, to get you to think that when that sky splits, and it will, before the tribulation, it will split. It will. Because the Bible says so. And when it happens, because you've been praying brainwashing program to think it's Jesus Christ that really it's going to be the Antichrist. It's going to be the son of perdition. It says so in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Read it. Read it over and over and over and over until you understand what it says and believe what it says. Because it says about the coming of the Lord and our gathering together unto him, our gathering to the Lord, his coming, and our gathering to him, that that day will not come. Underline the word not. It will not come unless and until 
the son of perdition come first. That the fallen away would come and that the son of perdition would be revealed and would manifest himself in the temple of God, claiming to be God and showing and displaying himself as God. And that doesn't say anything about the temple mount. So stop letting people put words in your mind to say temple mount when it doesn't say temple mount. It says that he will be in the temple of God, and the Bible says the temple of God is in heaven. It says it two times in the book of Revelation, that the temple of God is in heaven. So the son of perdition, what people call the Antichrist, will manifest himself in the temple of God in heaven. That will be the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel 12. So your program to believe in preacher rapture for one reason, so that you will worship the Antichrist when he appears in the sky. And that's why the whole world, it says the whole world will worship him. So don't compromise with a church that believes in the lie of pre-trib rapture. Because the purpose of that church is to compete against the truth and prepare you to worship the Antichrist. We cannot compromise with that type of movie. We cannot compromise with that type of church. We cannot compromise with that type of doctrine. We cannot compromise with it. But that doctrine is competing through Hollywood. Hollywood is competing for our souls, for our children, for our children's minds, our children's doctrines, our children's beliefs. That's what Disney is all about. Read it in the Bible over and over and over how the devil sacrificed the children first. Through Christmas, through Easter, through Halloween, deceive the children, lie to the children, and teach the children all kinds of lies and deceptions and make them fall in love with buying their love at Christmas time. Buying their love at Christmas time. Buying their love at Halloween. Buying their love and attention in direct competition against the Ten Commandments and God himself. Christmas is against God. Easter is against God. God hates Christmas. God hates Halloween. And God hates compromised and people say that it's not fair to the children to take away the candy I'd rather for them to love God than for me to buy their love of candy I'd rather for them to love God and love the truth and love the Ten Commandments and love the Scripture and love the Bible and love obedience to God and dedicate their lives to God in the truth but God is seeking a people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He's not seeking people to worship him in gifts and candy and laughter and fun and the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the lust of what your family wants you to do. I cannot understand why a dad or a mom would want to compromise with the word of God just so that their children can be happy in the devil's ways. How does that make sense? Why would a parent want their children to be happy in the devil's ways? You are sacrificing your children to the devil through Christmas and Easter and Halloween. And you are sacrificing your life and your birthright to the devil by going to the Sunday churches 
I am not here to make friends today. And I'm not here to compromise. I am here to give you the unfiltered, uncompromised truth. Solid, real foundation truth. This is the word of God. I cannot understand compromise because God himself cannot understand compromise. Amen. And it doesn't matter who we want to compromise with just so that we can remain friends. I love my brother in uh, uh, Calvin in Nigeria. I love, intensely, intensely, intensely love my brother Calvin in Nigeria. But I cannot compromise with him because he chose to sell his birthright and to honor and respect and promote the Islamic president of Nigeria. And so I had to disfellowship from him. Had to. I had no choice. I cannot compromise with it. If you claim to be a truly saved follower of Jesus Christ, if you claim to have the birthright, if you claim to be born again Christian, and you support and promote an Islamic president of any nation, you have sold your birthright. And you are no longer a true Christian. And you are no longer my brother, my sister, my dad, my mom. I have disowned and disfellowship my own dad, my own mom, my own brother, my own cousin, my own nephew, my whole family almost. Because God comes first. The people have the attitude of their parents come first, their children comes first, their brother comes first, their husband comes first, their wife comes first, their children comes first. Well, one of these days, People that have that attitude, people that compromise and put humans before God, they will not have their family. In the great tribulation, God's going to take their false gods away from them. God is going to take away whatever you hold more dear to you than him. Whatever you hold more dear to you than him. Because God is in a competition for your love. He will walk away from you. Don't let anybody deceive you into believing the once save, always save doctrine. Because our dad will walk away from us. Because he is sick and tired of competing for your love and your attention. Amen. Our Father Jesus is sick and tired of competing for your love and your attention. Now look at verse 37. Matthew 10, verse 37. He who loves father or mother more than me. There is a competition here in this verse. Who loves 
who do you love more? There is a competition. You cannot deny that. There is a competition in this verse. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he does not he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. You know what that means? That means you've got to be willing to give up anything and everything. Because you can't carry your cross and your apple at the same time. You can't do it. That cross was heavy. That cross was awkward. That cross, the shape and the size and the weight of that cross, you cannot carry both at the same time. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the devil's table at the same time. You cannot partake of the pottage of red meat and of God's communion at the same time. You cannot do it. It's one or the other. You cannot go to the Baptist church and really and truly serve God at the same time. You cannot do it. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and and the devil's table at the same time. You cannot serve God by staying in the religions of man, regardless of the church. You cannot do it. You might have started there. That might have been the first, time, the first place you went to when you decided to live for God. But you must come out of it. You must come out of it. Come out of her, my people. Revelation 18. And be not a partaker in her sin. That means do not compromise with her. No compromise. We're going to be willing to give up everything. But the truth is, when the great tribulation comes, a lot of people are going to have a choice between two different things, between life and death. At the beginning of the great tribulation and all throughout the great tribulation, people even now have that choice, life or death. You can't have both. The churches of Babylon teaches you and deceives you, brainwashes you and programs you to believe that you can live forever and ever and ever without dying in the flames of hell. But the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can't have both at the same time. You're either going to die or live. But they tell you the same lie that the Satan told in the Garden of Eden. That, oh, you can sin and you will not die. You, you'll continue to live forever and ever and ever. That is the same lie of the Baptist Church, Pentecostal Church, Catholic Church, Lutheran Church, Presbyterian Church, Methodist Church. The same lie. Same lie. Oh, you can sell your birthright and you will never die. You will always live in hell. Or in heaven, even if you sell your birthright. Even if you compromise. Even if you go to a universalist church where the Islam Muslims sit right beside you and a homosexual on the left side and a Muslim on the right side and you're sitting on the same bench all coexisting and getting along. Love, 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 love. That is not true love. That is false love, which is in competition 
against true love. Verse 39. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. We've got to be willing to lose anything and everything. But people are so afraid that if they live for God, that their wife will leave them or their husband will leave them or their children will not like them or their children will not love them because you can't do Christmas no more. Choose this day who you will serve. Choose one or the other. Choose. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Two Corinthians chapter six verse fourteen. Two Corinthians six verse fourteen. Do not. Does it say do or do not? It says do not be bound together with unbelievers. So basically, do not go to the universities' church where they welcome the Muslims, where they welcome the homosexuals, where they welcome the atheists. Do not be bound unbelieving but together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Why are you going to church to have fellowship with people who are in the dark about the truth? Why are you going to church with people who still keep Halloween? That don't make sense. Verse 15. For what harmony has Christ with Paul, with the devil? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? I can't understand how year after year after year after year, how a true believer and a true follower of Jesus Christ continues the same friendships with our atheist friends and homosexual friends. How is that possible? I don't see it at the beginning because, you, you know, we are to try, at least try to get along with people and be at peace with all men as much as it is able within ourselves. But the fact is that the closer and closer you get to God, and the closer and closer they get to the devil, the brighter you become, the darker they become. You know, there's two types of magnets. There's the kind of magnets that attract and stick together, and there's the kind of magnets that push us away from one another. Have you ever seen that kind? If you've never seen that kind, I encourage you to go and look for that kind. It would be a good physical example to show your children or yourself or family, friend or something like that. But there's a kind of magnet that actually repels and, and refuses to come together. They push away from one another. And the truth is light versus darkness and God versus the devil. They will push away from one another. 
And the closer you get to God, the more that your family, your friends, people you love, people you know, and the world, as much as you would like to be friends with them and show them the truth and see they get saved, they're going to push away from you. And the truth is, you're going to be pushing away from them, or you should be, eventually. Because if they come over to hang out at your house, or you go over to their house and hang out, and all you want to talk about is God, his word, his scripture, and the truth, and they don't want to hear it, amen? They do not want to hear it. They will get angry with you because you are speaking the truth and they hate the truth. They hate the truth. And you love the truth. It's opposites. How can you continue to get along and maintain friendship unless you compromise and sell your birthright? Are you willing to compromise and sell your birthright in order to maintain your friendship with your family and your friends? We should not do so. We should not do so. Amen. In verse uh, 16, or what agreement has the temple of God, that's you, with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. So if God is living in us and the devil is living in the Muslims, because he is, because they have the mark of the beast, every Muslim on this earth, every Muslim on this earth, has the mark of the beast. I encourage you to read that article on the website, isawthelightministries.com. isawthelightministries.com slash mark.html. Or you can just go to the website and look for the article, the mark, or it's actually the, the, the article, the beast revealed. The beast revealed. And it'll show you what John actually drew for 666 and how that he actually drew the symbols of Nazism and Islam and communism. So he wasn't warning about a number. People are so carnally minded. We've got to get over that carnally mindedness. John and Jesus was not warning us against a number, like the number three or the number nine or the number six or the number 666. It's A number is only a number. God is not concerned with a number uh, competing against our soul or destroying. A number number is not going to destroy our soul. But what is going to destroy our soul if we let it is compromising and coexisting with 666, which John drew as the symbols of Nazism and Islam and communism. That people all across Facebook, all across the world, are compromising and trying to think that Assad, the leader of Syria, the Antichrist, trying to think that he is a good man when he is not a good man. Trying to think that Putin is a good man when he is not a good man. Trying to think that communism is good when communism is not good. Trying to think that Russia is good when it's not good. Trying to think the Democrat Party is good when it's not good. 
trying to think that homosexuality is just love when it's nothing but hate and lust. I know. I've been there. My witness, my testimony is on the website, and I hide it not. I testify of the love of God, that God loved me so much that I am worse in the blood of Jesus and all my sins are worse away. But I know homosexuality, what it's like because I was there one time, even as other people that have been listening to the services before now. And people in the future will as well listen to these services. It's important for us to tell people what God delivered us from so they know that, that, that as hard as it may be, nothing is impossible with God, that God can deliver a person from any sin, any sin, even from Islam. Even though, even though the Baptist church says you cannot repent from the mark of the beast. But the Bible says only one sin that you cannot repent of, and that's the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. The Bible never, ever, ever, ever teaches that you cannot repent of the mark of the beast. Prove it to me. Send me an email. Send it. Send it to me. Because I've read the Bible over and over, and especially the book of Revelation over and over and over and over. And there's nothing in the book of Revelation or the whole Bible that says you cannot repent of worshiping the Antichrist because you can't. You can't. Until the door shuts. Until the door shuts. But we are not to compromise. But we are to come out of those sins. We are not to get along with those sins. We are not to get along with those sinners. We speak the truth. They're going to hate us. Amen? Now, if God walks in us, lives in us, dwells in us, abides in us, and the devil abides in them, how can we hold hands? How can we? We can't. Verse 17, therefore, come out. It doesn't say continue to try to be among them in order to save them. It is foolishness to think that you can save Babylon by staying in Babylon. You can't. You cannot save the Baptist Church or the Pentecostal Church or the Catholic Church by staying among them trying to talk them out of it because you're still partaking in their sin. You're sitting right there. You cannot save an alcoholic by getting drunk with the alcoholic. You cannot save a drug head by doing drugs with him. You cannot save an adulteress by committing adultery with him. You cannot save a Babylonian person by going to a Babylonian church with them. You can't do it. It's impossible. You have to come out and be different and be a light unto them be an example to them. They're, they're not going to come out unless you come out first. Because that's, that's a hypocrite. It's a hypocrite that stays in their church to tell them that they got to come out. Well, what are you doing there? you telling me i got to come out and you're still here? That's a hypocrite. Come out, it says, verse 17. Come out from their midst and be separate. We should not compromise, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. Then I will welcome you. Then I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, 
and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, saith the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, wow, promises, promises, birthright, guarantees. Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Amen. People don't have fear of God no more. But we need to get the fear of God. Look at John 10. John chapter 10. Verse 1. John 10 verse 1. Truly, truly, amen, amen, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door, there's not more than one door. There's only one door to heaven, that's Jesus. He do, who, this is talking about false religion. If you try to get to God, if you try to get to the kingdom or heaven through the Baptist door, through the Pentecostal door, through the Lutheran door, through Buddhism or atheism, if you try to go through their doors to get to God, God will not welcome you in. He who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and his sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. Leads them out of Babylon. When he puts forth all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him. Flee. We must do more than just come out of Babylon. We must flee from Babylon. We must run from temptation. We must run from lies and deceptions and false things and false movies and false doctrines. Run from it. Not partake, not compromise, not sign an agreement, not a please, but flee these things. Flee fornication and flee the fornication of false religion because people are in bed with false religion according to the Bible. It's not enough to just turn the channel or stop going. We must flee from it. That means if somebody says, will you read this? No, I will not read your baloney. I will not read your baloney. I will not read your article that's written in the devil's name. I will not read your article that is written in the name of Yeshua or Yahweh or Jehovah because I know my Father's name is Jesus and only him will I follow and I will not follow any other God, any other person, any other religion. I will not touch it. I will not accept it. I will not receive it into my hand. Remove it from my midst. 
Get out of here, Satan. We've got to stop compromising with people. They are trying to deceive us. They are trying to steal our soul. Kill us. Murder us. If somebody comes to you with a sword, a knife, or a gun in their hand pointing it to you, are you going to say, oh, what a beautiful knife. Stab me with it. No, you're not going to say that. But it's exactly what you're saying when you accept into your hands something that is written in the devil's name. Or when you read a website and you click on it and it's got all the white names, Yahshua, Yahweh, Jehovah, all these things all over it, and but you read it anyway, you compromise anyway. Oh, it's all right, it's all right. No, it's not all right. It's the same as taking a, uh, a knife and say, stab me with it. No compromise. No compromise with the Y names. God's name is Jesus. There is no other name. You know, there's a competition between a true name and the false names. Acts 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, any other. For there is none other name under Heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. No other pronunciation. No other spelling. No other language. No other name. One name under heaven by which we must be saved. And it says that name is Jesus. Even when you look in Strong's Accordance, it doesn't say Yahshua. Even when you look at Strong's Accordance, it does not say any other thing but Jesus in Strong's Concordance. Now, it'll say it comes from Yahushua or something like that. But it don't matter what it comes from. It doesn't say Yahshua. It says Jesus. No compromise. Flee it. Flee it. And it says here, these things. Now look at verse 10. Let's jump down to verse 10. The thief comes only to steal. Only. Not to help us. Not to help us a little and hurt us a little. Not a little there and live as this not to give us some truth and some faith, even though they will, to mix it together. They'll, put, they'll give us a, a bowl of stew with poison in it. That's exactly what they do. But the point of it, even though they will wrap it in a beautiful wrapping, even though they'll put a bowl on it, even though they'll put Christ's name on it, even though they claim it's Jesus' birthday, even though they claim it's just stew and, and it won't hurt you, But the truth is that the thief comes only for this reason, to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. 
Amen. Praise God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. If if your Bible does not have uh, the Bible index tabs, on the um, side of the page, I really encourage you to invest into some Bible index tabs. You can buy them at any Christian bookstore. You can buy them online. And uh, it helps you during the services like this if you're going to listen live to flip the pages. If you're not able to, to do that yourself, that is, if you're not able to go immediately to a book and a page within only a few seconds, then it would be very beneficial to you to invest in survival index tabs that stick to the side of the page to all you got to do is flip directly to that book very quickly, very easily. It'll help you if you're listening to the live services. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, do you not know that those who run in a race and that's what we are. We're all in a competition of a race, trying to get to the finish line. That all those who run in the race all run. We're all running, all of us. You are, I am. We're all running in a competition of a race to the finish line. The only one receives the prize. Only the first person across. Only the people in the first resurrection make it in at that time. Of course, there's a second prize, and the people will rise in the second resurrection that Babylon doesn't know anything about, even though it's in black and white in the Bible, because they don't know the Bible at all. But we want to make it in the first resurrection, and we want first prize. And we are in a competition to get there. And the devil does not want us to win. The devil does not want us to get into the first resurrection. The devil does not want us to do that. So there's stumbling blocks that he puts in our path. The devil puts those why names and Christmas and Easter and all kinds of false doctrines, preacher rapture and all kinds of foolishness and false doctrines to prevent us from making it first, resurrection. But it says here, run in such a way that you may win. That's what Paul tells us to do. To run this competition, this race, in a way that you will win. Everyone who competes, competition, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. That means controlling yourself that you will not compromise, that you will not take the fruit of the forbidden tree, which means that you will not choose for your own self what is right and what is wrong, that you will not choose for your own self 
whether or not you should keep the commandments and what doctrine is right and what doctrine is wrong. You should not choose for yourself that. God chooses that. God tells us what is right, what is wrong. God tells us he is the king. He is God. You are not God. God tells us to keep the Ten Commandments. The only choice there is to it is life or death, blessing or cursing. Accept it or give it away. Those are the only choices. But pray people in this world try to choose of whether or not they want to um, uh, whether or not it's right or wrong whether or not you have to do these things. And that's not a choice. That is not a choice. They try to make it into a choice. They try to uh, choose for themselves whether homosexuality is right or wrong. That's not a choice. God said it was wrong. God said homosexuality is wrong. God says Islam is wrong. God says that the Muslims are lost. It's not up to de- for us to decide whether the Muslims are lost or saved. God says Muslims are lost. That's not my choice. That's not my opinion. It's God says. We must exercise self-control to turn down the temptation, to turn down the compromise in all things. They that do it to see they, the people in the world, the carnally people that's running the race, they run the race to perceive, receive a perishable wreath. But we are imperishable. King James says uh, in, uh, they run the race to run to receive a corruptible crown. But we are incorruptible crown. You see, the people of the world, they just want to win money, have a good paying job, win the lottery, have a fancy car, have their sports team to win, these things and more. But we run this race not for these carnal things, but for salvation, to get into first resurrection. Our goal, our mind, our purpose is not flesh and blood. Our purpose, our mind, our goal, our mindset, our reward is spiritual salvation. Verse 26, therefore I run in such a way as not without aim, not in the air, I box in such a way, not as beating the air. See, in other words, Paul says, I'm aiming for the target. I'm keeping my eye on the finish line. And I'm fighting this fight of boxing and wrestling and running this race, whatever analogy that you want to use, that I'm doing it to win. Not to give up, not to turn around, and not for somebody else to take it away from me. 
Don't let any man take your reward. And the Bible says, let no man steal your crown. Revelation 3.11. Revelation 3.11 says, let no man steal your crown. But we are in a competition. The devil is competing against us to steal our crown. 27, but I discipline my body. I exercise my body. I keep it under control. So spiritually, we should be exercising, working out by reading the scripture, playing worship music, worshiping God, doing our exercises with our hands and our arms, lifting our hands and our arms up to heaven. Do your exercises and worship God. Lift your hands and lift your arms up to God and worship him. Put your forehead on the ground, on the floor. We need to be getting rug burns on our knees. We need to be getting rug burns on our forehead. You know, a lot of Muslims do have rug burns on their foreheads and knees because they spend a lot of time praying to the devil. The Christians, no. No, not so much. Christians are too concerned. Oh, I might get a rug burn. Oh, I might look bad. I might get a blemish on my knees. I might get a blemish on my skin, on my forehead. The Muslims seek to have sores on their forehead. Seek it. Want it. Desire it. They fight to win. We fight to lose. To be honest with you, Christians are fighting to lose because they're more concerned about their looks than what they are. They're more concerned about lipstick and pink toenails than what they are about getting their forehead right with God. Amen. We know that we're in a competition in many, many different ways, including the flesh versus the spirit and also false preaching in competition to true preaching. We know that there are people false prophets against true prophets and false ministers against true ministers. I'm in a war and I'm in a competition for your attention and your time. Because I sent out the newsletter notification, which goes out to uh, something like, uh, I think, is it 115? Yeah, about 115 people all over the world received the notification in their emails or text message on their phone. 115 people or so all around the world that got that message today that I would be talking about this subject today at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern. How many people are listening live? Two people out of 115. And then I also know that there will be uh, AJ will listen later on because he's in a different time zone, so that's good and that's acceptable. Kiki will listen 
later on because she's in a different time zone, different part of the world, so that's good and that's acceptable. And I know Lisa will listen later on because that's the only way that her phone and her computers will work to listen later on, and that's good and that's acceptable. So when it's all said and done, the two people listening live are then the one South Korean congregation and the one sister in Australia and the one sister in uh, New York State. And perhaps one in Canada, maybe. Perhaps one in California, maybe. Perhaps one in Texas, maybe. I don't know about some of these people. I don't know if they're really going to listen because I have to wonder, why are they not listening live? I don't know. Maybe they can't. And if they can't, but will listen later, today on the seventh day, then that's okay. Or next week on the seventh day, that's okay. But altogether, maybe six or seven out of 115. What are the other 109 people doing? Watching football. Watching this. Doing this. Watching Hollywood. Doing this, doing that. Anything they can do except for listening to the Word of God. I'm in competition for your time and your attention because the devil don't want these other people hearing the truth in the Word of God. So he puts other things in their track that they're running, stumbling blocks to prevent them from listening. I guarantee you that if you don't turn off the phone and the computer and lock the door and put a sign on the door that says, I'm praying, do not disturb, I guarantee you that when you're praying or reading the Bible or studying the Bible, that is when everybody wants to call and text, especially the enemy, especially the spiritual attacks, especially people coming against you, is on the seventh day or any other time of the week when you're praying or studying. The devil is competing for your time and your attention to give your time and attention all from God to steal your joy, to steal your salvation. Amen? So I really, really encourage people to turn off the phone when you're praying or reading, studying the Bible. And do not answer the door in the middle of your prayers. God comes first. Stay on your knees. If it's really important, they'll come back. Do not answer the phone. If it's really important, they will call back. God first. No compromise. Let's read... One more place, one more. Two John, book of two John, which is only one chapter long. Book of two John. Now look over here at the menorah, because we started burning a menorah, seven-candle menorah, 
during the services, live every week during the services. And I look over and I say, I got one flame left, and it is right there at the very end with seconds or minutes left to the sermon. But 2 John chapter 7, 2 John chapter 7, 2 John chapter, not chapter 7, verse 7. So only got one chapter, verse 7. For many deceivers, not a few, but many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. To understand what that phrase means, you would have to go back to John 1, where it said that Jesus is the Word of God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. So to accept Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, that means to accept Jesus as God. But these people, the deceivers, do not accept that. These people, the deceivers, many deceivers that have come into the world that do not acknowledge Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh, according to John 1, it means that these people do not accept Jesus as the Theos, the God that came into the flesh and dwelt among men. These are the Jehovah Witnesses. These are uh, the Muslims who do not accept Jesus as God, as well as atheists. So these are Muslims and atheists and Jehovah Witnesses and some other people and even some Hebrew Roots people who are now saying that Jesus is not God. Even some Seventh-day Adventists, some of them say that Jesus is not God. And if you're trying to make Jesus out to be an angel, then you're saying he's not God. You can't be God and an angel both at the same time. So if you're trying to make Jesus out to be the March, uh, Archangel Michael, then you're saying he's not God. Because God is not the Archangel Michael. Amen? God created the angels. God is not an angel. He created the angels. So this is the deceiver and the Antichrist. So right here it directly calls the Jehovah Witnesses Antichrist. It calls the Muslims Antichrist. And verse 8, watch yourselves. Be careful that you do not lose what we have accomplished. You can lose your reward. You can lose your salvation. You can. It says so right here and many other places. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, that you do not sell your birthright, that you do not lose your birthright, you do not lose your promises, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone, anyone, dad, mom, brother, sister, husband, wife, girlfriend, Jehovah Witness, anybody that knocks on the door, anybody that calls, anybody that reaches you an article to read, anyone, website, anyone, who goes too far, baby. <laughs> Anybody that goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ, that means if they do not abide in the Ten Commandments, if they do not abide in the seventh day, if they do not abide in Passover, Tabernacles, and Pentecost, if they do not abide that Jesus is God, if they do not abide that Jesus is his name, then you should flee 
from that person. Do not compromise. Do not coexist. Do not shake hands. For God had came to bring a sword, even in your own family. If they do not abide in the teaching of Christ, they do not have God. They don't have God. They're not saved. They're not your brothers. They're not your sisters. These Yahshua people are not your brothers and sisters. These Jehovah people are not your brothers and sisters. The Muslims are not your brothers and sisters. They sold their birthright. We are now enemies, competing enemies. And they, their aim, their goal, and the only thing they have come for is to steal, to kill, and destroy. How can you get along with somebody that wants to behead you? You cannot. You pray for them. If they are hungry, if they are sick, if they're on the ground bleeding, you help them and you bless your enemy and not curse. I don't care if they have the mark of the beast. If they're on the ground bleeding, I will help them. That is love. That's love. But to welcome them in your church when they don't want to repent, that's not love. That's compromise. To go to their church, that's not love. That's compromise. It's selling your birthright. To welcome them into your house when they have come for the purpose of deceiving you is not loving them. It's compromise. It says so right here. That if they do not abide in the teaching of Christ, they do not have God. And the one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. Verse 10, if anyone comes to you, if anybody comes to your house, if anybody comes to you with a paper or, or anything or a video or audio or an article or anything or teaching, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, that Jesus is God, and his Ten Commandments that is spoken of in the book of 1, 2, and 3 John, if they do not come bringing the true teachings, do not, do not, 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 what part of not do we not understand? Do not receive him into your house. It don't say, hey, come have a seat with me, let's talk it out. It's not what it says. Do not welcome them into your house. Oh, but I love them. No, you love them more than what this Bible tells you to do. Yeah, you love them. You love them more. Do not. That's a command. What part of it do we not understand? Do not receive him into your house. Oh, but I might offend them. They might get angry. Do not receive them into your house. And do not give him a greeting. Slam that door. You don't have to say a word. You know they're there to steal and kill and destroy you and your family. Slam that door. 
But the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. That means that if you say, have a good day, you wish that person well, when they are come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not right. If somebody breaks into your house and steals all of your furniture or rapes or murders your family, do you say thank you? No. Do you say have a good day? No. You don't. So why are we doing such things to people who have come to steal, kill, and destroy. Because we're too concerned with pink nail polish, manners, honor, and respect for the enemy. We've got to stop having honor and respect for the enemy. Love them means pray for them, help them when they're bleeding, help them when they're starving. Jacob did feed the starving man, but he also took his blessing away from him. Jacob did not allow Esau to keep the blessings. He took the blessings away from Esau. Amen. The Bible says, if they accept your word, if they hear you out and accept your word and believe your word and take your word as true, the Bible says bless him. But the Bible says that if they do not receive your word, take back your blessing and shake the dirt off your feet. In the Middle East, if you take your shoe off your feet, dust you, wipe the dust off your foot, that is a huge insult. Huge insult. Huge. The Bible doesn't say, do not insult your enemy. It says, bless and not curse. That's different. Blessing, not curse, means if they're bleeding, don't leave them to die. But it also says to remove your blessing and to shake the dust off your feet, which means to insult them by not speaking with them not compromising with them, not giving them a blessing, but shutting the door in their face. That's what it means. We don't understand here in the United States how real this war is. We don't understand how real this war is. Because if they really, if we really, really, really comprehend it deep enough how real this war is and how much the devil really and truly is trying to kill us and our families, then we would not be saying have a good day. We would not be saying such things to the enemy. If we really understood, really comprehended how real this war is, Amen. And people will say that you hate Muslims, but the truth is you would love to see the Muslims saved. I would love to see the Muslims come to the truth 
in Jesus Christ. That is not hate. But I refuse to compromise. And I refuse to give them an opportunity to deceive me. I refuse to give them the opportunity to deceive me. Amen. It doesn't matter that I know that they can't deceive me. I refuse to give them the opportunity to try to deceive me. Amen? Say that again. It doesn't matter that I know they won't deceive me. I refuse to give them the opportunity to try to deceive me. If you give the devil one-fourth of an inch, he will take a million miles. If you don't believe that, then you don't understand the reality of the war. If you give the devil a fourth of an inch, he will take a million miles. Don't give the devil the opportunity to even try to steal your crown. Do not compromise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. I would like to remind you, as I sent out on the newsletter yesterday, I think, that I'm calling for a fast for all the people around the world that follow this ministry to be fasting. Not, uh, let's see, not January 8th, but rather the following Sunday, which I think is January 15th, and then the next Sunday after that, January 22nd. So January 15th, Sunday, we'll be fasting for the Church of South Korea. That means the true followers of Jesus Christ in South Korea. Pastor AJ and his congregation, Aiden and Mrs. Min, the congregation of South Korea, fasting from sunrise until sunset, January 15th. No juice, no fruit juice, no apple juice, no juice, no beverages of any kind, no food of any kind other than only water from sunrise to sunset, January 15th. And then that's going to be the purpose of praying and seeking God for uh, encouragement and inspiration for the South Korean followers of Jesus Christ protection for them both now and in the great tribulation, uh, encouragement and inspiration and protection, and that God would increase their congregation, bless their witnessing, bless their evangelism, bless their works of the kingdom to increase uh, the church there, uh, that the truth will be manifested to more people there, that more people will be saved and delivered from Buddhism and atheism that's prevalent there in South Korea. Also, that God would bless them and help them with restructuring the website for I Saw the Light Ministries uh, because I've been working on this website uh, for like 11 years now. And to be honest with you, technology has outgrown me by uh, great lengths. And I've not stayed up to date with technology. And so, but they have and they're experts on 
the technology of websites, and so they're restructuring the website. You're going to see all the same articles, but it's going to have a, a different menu. The menu will be available on every page. It will have a print button on every page where you can just hit print, and it will print the article a whole lot faster, quicker, and easier, uh, and better. Uh, it will uh, have a menu available on every page, so you don't have to go back only to the main page and so forth. It's going to be more, e more easily viewable on the mobile tablets, on the iPads and so forth, and on the cell phones. It will be better viewable. It will have a better uh, search engine rankings because of these changes. Changes that will result in, in, in people being able to find it on the search engines quicker, faster, and easier, that the people will be able to find the truth in Jesus Christ and be saved all across the world. And then after all that is accomplished, they're going to translate it as well into the South Korean language so that people in Korea can read it in their language as well. So pray and fast for all of this work, for God's blessing and anointing upon that work and help upon that work and everything that they're doing. And... Uh, uh, for their spiritual growth in Jesus Christ as well. Then the next Sunday, uh, which I think is the 22nd or whatever, that we'll be fasting for the same length of time, sunrise to sunset, for wisdom and discernment. Wisdom and discernment. That us, you, I, all of us, pray and fast for yourself and for your family and for the church, for the true followers of Jesus Christ for more wisdom, for more discernment. Because the truth is, that is the greatest plague upon the church today, the greatest problem in the true church, in the true followers of Jesus Christ. The worst problem that the true followers have is a lack of wisdom and a lack of discernment, which leads them to be very, very, very susceptible to lies and deceptions on the Internet and false doctrines and false teachings. Very gullible very, very extremely susceptible to false doctrine and false conspiracy theories and foolishness. You know me, I say it the way it is. And so people need discernment like everything. They need discernment. They need wisdom. You know, the whole book of Proverbs is about wisdom. And wisdom uh, is like better than gold, more important than gold. But I tell you, People don't have it. Even the true followers of Jesus Christ, for at the majority, for the most part, do not have wisdom or discernment. The people that do have it don't have enough. I don't think any of us, not even myself, has enough. We all need more of it. It's a huge problem. The greatest problem facing the true church today lack of wisdom and discernment. We need a fast for it. We need to seek it like everything. Amen. Okay, well, I'll let you go. Your hands are untied now, and I thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers and your love. My wife, Brittany, is uh, still suffering from a cold, and a lot of other people have a cold right now as well. I know it's Cold and flu season for sure, and it's really spreading. Pray for us, pray for one another. 
We love you very much. In Jesus' name, amen.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.